0: Hello there, listeners. It's Susie New here, President of the Australian Society of Anesthetists, and welcome to our podcast, Australian Anesthesia, where we talk about all things relevant to anesthesia in Australia. In this episode, I am chatting with Emily Munday, and she is the outgoing national chair of the Trainee Member Group. That's right, we have a group that's specifically for members who are training in anesthesia this episode is also for a very small portion of our profession, and that is those who are about to go into their provisional fellowship year. Now, for most people going into their provisional fellowship year in 2021, 2020 has been a pretty average year because most of you would have been trying to get through your second part exams. So I know those of you who sat in the first sitting this year, you've got your viva in a few weeks. I suggest the main tip from this podcast for you is potentially to look at the online learning modules for major hemorrhage and also for anaphylaxis. That's what you need to know right now. Go back to the books and study. Good luck with your exams. For those of you who are waiting until May next year to do your Viva, I'm really sorry. This has been a terrible time for you. Please do get in contact with us if you think that there is anything the ASA can do to help. Unfortunately, what we can't do is move that exam forward, which is what I know you'd really, really like. In this episode, we provide some tips about using the ANSCA CPD program because that is one of the things that you'll have to learn when you become a provisional fellow. And it's also something that you'll be using frequently during your time as a specialist. We're hoping that this episode will contain tips that will make it easier for that time of transition. If there's anything else that you might want some tips on that might make this time of transition a little bit easier for you, then please do get in contact with us. I always like hearing your suggestions and I like chatting with people. In the meantime... Good luck. Good luck with your exams. You'll get through this. We're all here. We're thinking of you. We're trying to support you in the best way we can. All right, let's get into it. Emily, you're a legend. You're an absolute legend. You're very patient and you've been very hardworking. How long have you been on the trainee member committee?
1: This is my fourth year. So I was Tasmanian junior rep for a year uh, and then senior rep for two before doing this. Cool. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been really good. It's been a really good committee to be part of and the opportunities uh being ASAT and GTA have been fantastic.
0: What sort of opportunities have you
1: had? Just the opportunity to sit on all of these different committees and to get a little bit of insight into how a lot of these organisations and all these different branches of the ASA work. And not just the ASA, so being approached by organisations like Lifebox help with their expression of interest for the trainee positions and sitting on the emerging investigators group for ANSCA and all of these other random
0: opportunities that crop up has been really insightful. It does certainly open doors. I hope it continues to open doors as well. Thanks. Do do keep in touch because I'm always looking for people to tap on the shoulder for various things and I've got something else to ask you later but anyway so this year's been very exciting for you because you've become a provisional fellow. You're coming up towards the end of your provisional fellow year. So that's great. Congratulations. And one of the things you had to nut out was the ANSCA CPD program. So I thought this would be a good time to go through some of the things that you learned and hopefully help people who are coming into their provisional fellowship year in 2021 to make that process smoother for them. What are some of the things that you've picked up? So
1: the first thing that I picked up was how to find the CPD portal, because that's something that no one ever actually said to me. And it's something that I assumed that I knew. So I wrongly assumed that it was part of the TPS. And whilst it does sync to the TPS, I was sitting here staring at my little TPS wheel on the dashboard with my CPD count at zero out of 60, not sure how to add activities. As it turns out, there is a separate CPD portal, which is identical to the CPD portal used by fellows of the college, the consultants. That is where I should have gone.
0: That's a really good point because I've just got the button saved on all my devices that I log my CPD. I think once you've figured it out, you never go back and revisit it because it hasn't moved, I think, since I started doing it. Maybe we'll put the link in the show notes. The page I'm looking at is cpd.ansker.edu.au. Is that the same for you? Yeah, that's the same for us. Then that's where you go once you become a consultant. So that makes it nice and simple and straightforward. And so how else is it similar to the CPD program for consultants? Or how is it different? I think the,
1: the aim of allowing provisional fellows to participate in the CPD program is for us to get a bit of a feel for how to do it as consultants and to set up those good habits going into being junior fellows. So the way that it works for fellows of the college, so for consultants, is that you have a triennium. And during that triennium, you need to obtain an amount of points for three categories. So practice evaluation, knowledge and skills, and emergency responses, points for two of those, and activities for the other one. And they have a minimum points count of 30 points per year of the triennium. Now, it's similar for provisional fellows. So the way that it works for us is that you need 60 points per 52 weeks of provisional fellow training. And that's not immediately apparent when you log into the CPD portal. Because the CPD portal, is set up exactly the same as it is if you're a consultant. So you've got your little wheel for the year with
0: points out of 30.
1: Whereas if you log into the TPS, which does sync with the CPD portal, you'll see that the points count is actually out of 60.
0: Oh, that's a really good thing to point out. So when I look at my portal on the very right-hand side, I've got my annual progress, my credit count for 2020. And so you've got that on your screen as well, that it's out of 30 that you actually need 60 points this year, you need to go twice as hard than it says on the CPD dashboard. Yes, correct. And you've got the same three categories that we have as consultants, you've got that first category, the practice evaluation, which is the hard category to get the points in. And then you've got the knowledge and skills. And that's the easy category that's listening to podcasts and reading journals. And then you've got the emergency responses. Yeah,
1: It's correct. The advantage that we have as provisional fellows is that as a mandatory component of provisional fellow training, we need to do a multi-source feedback. And that's actually worth 20 points and one of the mandatory activities for the practice evaluation section, which is the hard points category. So that's a pretty beneficial activity and puts you ahead.
0: And that gets you really used to doing multi-source feedback. And then do you still have to do two emergency responses like we need to do for our triennium? So
1: the way the provisional fellow program works, as I understand it, is that essentially the provisional fellow year is like a light introduction year to the CPD program. You do need 60 points, but it doesn't need to be from any particular area. Similar to the way that it works for fellows where the minimum count for any year is 30, but you don't need any particular things in that year. For us, it's 60. But all the points that are accumulated during provisional fellowship actually roll over to your training the next year. So say for me, I'm a provisional fellow starting in February 2020. So I'll become a fellow of the college in February 2021. And so my triennium will run from February 2021 until 2023. But any points that I accumulate during 2020 will actually roll over to that triennium.
0: That's great. So you get a head start in your first consultant year.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the aim of it is to, to make your years as a junior fellow uh, a little bit easier because there's a lot of other things to be getting your head around as a junior consultant.
0: That is so true. Because when I look at my dashboard for my practice evaluation, I've got to get a hundred points, but that's across the triennium. And so presumably you'll have that same criteria as well. Do you see that on your dashboard as well? So as
1: I understand it, what I see as a provisional fellow is pretty much identical to what fellows of the college see. So I've got a wheel, I've got 64 out of 100 points, and that's before my MSF. So depending on what your provisional fellow year looks like, often you do accumulate quite a large number of points towards your triennium.
0: And that is great. If you've got 64 out of 100, this is in the practice evaluation, this is the really difficult category. You did that in one year. So that's fantastic. How did you do it? For me, I've done a simulation fellowship. One of the activities for
1: the practice evaluation is team simulation. And because of COVID, we've done a lot of COVID training activities, all of which has contributed points to that category. That's separate to the COVID intubation emergency response activity, I should point out. There's also been a lot of committee work and a fair bit of structured registrar teaching as well.
0: And the committee work and the structured registrar teaching, they come into that second category, don't they? The knowledge and skills?
1: Yeah, so committee work comes under the knowledge and skills category as teaching.
0: Especially if you're an ASA committee member, then that often is a very, very easy one to get your points in, except there's a cap, right? Yeah, so there's a cap at 10 points per year for some
1: of those criteria. So journal reading and committee work, unfortunately, are both capped at 10.
0: We probably get all that by January in each year, but, but at least it's there. How do you get your information into the CPD portal?
1: So when you log in, you come up with a dashboard, which has your little clock similar to the TPS, but purple. And then in the top right-hand corner, there's a drop-down menu and there's options such as add activity. The CPD portal is actually pretty easy to use. And I discovered a lot of this by chance and by having a look and a read. Because when I do an activity or I do something and I wouldn't be entirely sure which category I should put it into. And one option would have been to read the CPD handbook, which is actually not that long and pretty descriptive and useful. But the website does also still have a lot of that information. So if you click on a particular activity, it tells you what kinds of activities fit under that criteria or that heading. And it also tells you what evidence you need to submit to prove it.
0: And you had a really good tip before about submitting evidence, didn't you? Yeah.
1: So one of my big pieces of advice for provisional fellows who learning to use the PPD portal is make sure that you follow to the letter what they tell you to put in. So for any activity that you submit, make sure you put evidence in for it as described. And the reason for that is that the Earth CPD program audits 7% of its members per triennium. So it's a pretty high fraction of people per triennium being audited. And the way that that works is that in September at the end of your triennium, they notify you that you've been randomly selected. And then you have until January to compile all of your evidence. And then they review it and make a judgment call as to whether you've met the criteria or not. And so if you've been putting your evidence in as you go, it's very much easier if that process does
0: happen. 100% agree with you there. I think I was audited in my last triennium and I had all the evidence logged with each of my activities. So I got the email. I just double checked my portal. There was lots of evidence there, lots of activities there. And then by January, it was just an email to say that the audit was fine. So it was a completely painless process. I think because I'd been doing exactly, as you said, just logging all my evidence as I was going through the triennium.
1: The other thing is that as a provisional fellow, the point count is not particularly onerous and it is relatively easy to achieve, particularly because the multi-source feedback does achieve one third of your required points for the year. And for that reason, it really is worth making sure that everything that you do put in does have evidence attached.
0: What did you do in terms of the emergency responses?
1: So I've actually done three of the emergency responses this year. You only need two for the triennium. So I've done an ALS, Advanced Life Support course, which was run through my hospital. I've done the anaphylaxis module, which you can do online. I did actually do that online during my training before the exam. And I've also done the COVID-19 airway management scenario.
0: I'm hoping everyone's done the COVID-19 airway scenario by now, at least a few times. I really hope so. Can I just backtrack? You did the anaphylaxis one in the lead up to your part two exam.
1: I did. I actually thought that was really useful because the specifics of anaphylaxis in the anaesthetic context in that module are actually really well delivered. And I thought that it was a really good way to prepare for the final exam. And that's actually available. You don't have to be part of the CPD program to undertake that. You can access it via networks as a trainee as well.
0: That's a really good tip. And and maybe we'll do another podcast with people who've just passed their exams with all the different exam resources out there that people are using because it's certainly changed a lot since my time. I'm I'm learning a lot about it. There's a few online ones, aren't there? There's anaphylaxis and major hemorrhage, and they can be found on the ANSCA website through networks.
1: Correct. It can be a little bit difficult to find them through networks because I think they're in the committees section rather than in the anesthesia learning section. But if you just Google ANSCA anaphylaxis module, you can come across a link on the website that will take you to the appropriate place on networks.
0: So Google ANSCA anaphylaxis module or go to the committees and networks part of networks. I'll try and put a link to that in the show notes. It might just take people into the ANSCA login page. While we're on the topic of the
1: emergency responses, the other thing that I wasn't aware of is that for most of the emergency response activities, they have what are called ER codes, so emergency response codes. And that's the code that you need to put in as evidence of your participation, essentially evidence of undertaking an appropriate course. And those ER codes, sometimes when you do a course, they'll provide you with their ER code. Sometimes they don't and they're available on the ANSCA website in a drop-down list, usually organised by state and by type of emergency response.
0: I didn't know about them being available on the ANSCA website. I've organised a few ALS sessions at our National Scientific Congress as well as for our department. And I've written to ANSCA to get the ER code for the ALS session that we're running. And I'll send out the ER code and even on our certificates, we'll put the ER code on it because people tend to forget or you lose the email or whatever. But that might be something also for people to think about if they're in a remote area or can't get to one of the courses that they can find on the website, that they can look at the criteria and potentially look at developing their own local course that will fit the criteria. And then you can write to ask and apply to get the emergency response code for it. It's been a couple of years since I've done it, but in the past when I've done it, it's been very straightforward.
1: Yeah, I think essentially each of those emergency response activities have a minimum requirement in terms of what the course consists of for them to be accredited. So I think, for example, for ALS, there needs to be a certain number of minutes of scenario work and the ratio of, I guess, instructor to participant needs to be low so that everyone has an appropriate opportunity to
0: practice those skills. Exactly. Sounds like you're ready to start running your own ALS courses there. So, there's been some really good things that you've refreshed my memory on, and that's reminding people where to find the ANSCA CPD program. Something I didn't know was that provisional fellows have to do 60 points rather than just the 30 that it says on the dashboard. And I think that's really useful knowing that what you do in your provisional fellow year will roll over into the first year of your triennium. When I do my triennium, I have to write a plan. And at the end of it, I also have to write an evaluation, which is my reflection. Do you have to do the same? It comes up as an option
1: to do, and I'm not entirely sure whether it's a mandatory component of provisional fellow training. I think it may just be a mandatory component of the triennium because it looks identical to a fellow plan in that it wants you to plan out your entire training, not just year over year. Down at the bottom of my CPD dashboard, I've got a milestone section that has ticks and crosses for various activities. So my statement of participation for 2020, which you don't receive, I believe, until you've done your plan And so that was the reason that I did the plan, because I thought I probably needed the statement of participation. And then at the end of the training, there's the option to write the evaluation, but that's not going to be required for me for a couple of years. And then you get your certificate of completion when all of those things are done.
0: I wonder for people doing two fellowships, whether they need to do 60 points per fellowship. So the ASCA
1: CPD Handbook actually does specify that. They've specified that for provisional fellows, the run rate is 60 points per 52 weeks.
0: Well, that's good to know. That's a busy time for people doing back-to-back fellowships. It's probably not that many, but I wonder if both of those years would then roll over to your first year of triennium or whether it's just the second provisional fellow year.
1: Not entirely clear on that. The handbook doesn't specify
0: that. From what I understand, the CPD
1: committee are actually relatively receptive to requests of that nature, if you're not sure. And the CPD handbook has email details for contacting them if need be.
0: That's one of those situations where it is a little bit unusual and it's probably worth getting in contact with the college really early. And I totally agree with you. I've been in contact with the CPD committee a number of times, usually to get the ALS courses accredited. And they've been very responsive and very easy to talk with. And if it's not been able to be sorted out by email, someone's usually given me a call and it's been a very sensible discussion with a very sensible solution. So encourage people to keep in contact with the college to answer some of these questions because you can't always write for every scenario in a handbook. Is there anything else, Emily, we talked about finding the CPD program, we talked about the different components of it, how it slightly differs from the fellow program, how it rolls over. I think that's a really lovely move from the college. Anything else we should cover?
1: We did briefly talk about people undertaking CPD overseas. So the handbook does actually specify what for fellows, not necessarily for provisional fellows, but for fellows, what the requirements are if they're overseas. And essentially what it says is if you want to maintain your Australian registration, then you need to meet the CPD criteria. So I would suspect that if you're doing a provisional fellowship here overseas, that they would expect you to do that 60 points. But again, I think that would be something that you should contact the CPD committee about.
0: I think that's been really useful. And especially you become a consultant and you very, very quickly forget these things. And also, I don't think I ever knew because when I was a provisional fellow, I didn't have to do a CPD program. So I'm hoping it's really useful. If you had to say anything to the provisional fellows that are starting the year, what would you say to them?
1: Don't be too intimidated. It is a really big year of growth from a clinical point of view, from a team management point of view, from a supervising other people point of view. It's been a a massive year of growth and development and I certainly feel much more prepared for the life of the fellow coming to the end of my provisional fellow year compared to how I felt at the start. And I guess particularly for you guys who've had such an awful run-up with all of the exam issues in 2020, you're probably feeling really overwhelmed and nervous about starting as provisional fellows. And I just say don't be. It's a really great experience and I've certainly got a a huge amount
0: out of this year. That's good to hear. And I think if you've had a really great experience despite moving to Melbourne and coming to a city with one of the longest lockdowns and COVID and all of that, then I find that encouraging and I hope that other people also have a really good provisional fellow year and make the most of it as well. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time tonight. I wish you all the best for when you do transition to becoming a consultant. I'm sure you'll be fabulous. It unfortunately will mean that you will no longer be chair of the trainee member group and we will miss you, but I hope that you still stick around in the ASA and I keep seeing your face at committee meetings and at events and other things that I can possibly tap you on the shoulder on.
1: I'm a glutton for committee work, so I'm sure.
0: Oh, good. I love hearing those words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you found some things in there that you will find useful. As I said, I'm going to put a link to the CPD program in the show notes as well as a link to the anaphylaxis module. Emily did say that there's a lot to learn in the fellowship year. And for those of you who are worried because you are sitting so late into 2021, don't worry, no one's going to think that you're behind and you will transition and it will be fine. Back in my day, and I hate saying that, there were many, many hospitals where the provisional fellowship year was no different to the standard registrar roster and you were on the same roster doing the same type of work. And we got through, we got there. So don't worry, you're not missing out by having your exam later in the year and potentially not doing a provisional fellowship year for the whole year. And even for people who did a provisional fellowship year, they still had to do some transition from being a fellow to a junior consultant. And in fact, there's transitions throughout your career and you'll get through them. You've got a really good, solid training. You've got a great mindset and you'll get there. And finally, if any of you are inspired to join the Trainee member committee, we'd love to hear from you. Always keen to hear from people who like joining committees and like getting involved. I think it's great professional citizenship and I think it does you well in your career. Okay, stay safe out there. This podcast was produced by the Australian Society of Anesthetists. More podcasts can be found on the ASA website, asa.org.au. Music Ocelatoire Dance by Maidan, which can be found on the Free Music Archive website. We hope you enjoyed listening.